The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. And I was abducted by not only just the Lord Resistant Army, I was abducted by anger, unforgiveness, bitter. Uh, and so I had to uh, use the medicine that God has, which is forgiveness, to cure me and heal me. He forgave the very men who had abducted and tortured him. You'll meet Okongo Sampson on this edition of First Person. Welcome to this week's program. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Before we get to the story, please make note of our website, firstpersoninterview.com. There you can listen again to any first-person interview or share them with others. Plus, we've listed upcoming interviews, including Johnny Tata and Philip Yancey. Just click on Schedule at the top of the page at firstpersoninterview.com. As a boy, Okongo Sampson was taken captive by a band of terrorists. He was then beaten and brutalized for weeks before escaping through a series of miraculous circumstances that he knows were orchestrated by God. Today, Okongo has forgiven his tormentors and has been called of God to found the ministry Unite for Africa, which proclaims God's love and healing to many across Africa and beyond. Okongo joined me online for a conversation recently to tell us his story, but a note to parents, he references his torture, which may not be suitable for young children. Thank you so much for having me in the show, and uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, I was born in a western part of Kenya, the border between Kenya and Uganda, and uh, that's where my family um, grew, uh, were and grew up. Uh, my dad is still there. He's 102, and uh, he had 16 children, and I'm number 15. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so we came from a large family, and uh, uh, at the age of uh, 15 is when I accepted Christ, uh, at um, a youth camp, uh, when I when I ended there, going there by default, I was not meant to be there. But I went there because I had to take uh, one of the speaker who uh, was to speak in that conference. And uh, we arrived there late at night. And uh, when we arrived at night, and I could not uh, walk back home alone because it was about ten miles. And then, um, then at that age, I had never had shoes. And since we arrived around late in the night, I had thorns in my leg. Oh. So I, I decided to stay back uh, for just that one more night. So in the morning, I can remove thorns in my leg and then walk back at least. Um, uh, so that's one reason. Then the other reason is to not walk alone at night. So the, the, the lion at that time. Oh, oh yeah. I, I wouldn't want to do that either. No. Yeah. So then that night, is when I sat at the far back of the corner in the hall and I had the gospel and I, I surrendered my life to Christ anew. <laughs> uh, not that I, I didn't know Christ. I was going to the Sunday school, just hearing about it. The missionaries were there during those early 80s. And so, uh, but that's when I, I gave my life to Christ. Wonderful. And I understand from reading your book that uh, it was largely because you heard someone who looked like you preaching the gospel. That meant a lot to you, didn't it? Oh, it did, you know, because prior to that, you know, it was the missionary who uh, were coming and sharing God's story. You know, yes, I was listening to God's story, but I was preoccupied with why are they not looking like me? <laughs> so the look, what I was seeing was overriding what they were saying. And, uh, and then they were saying them in such a kind of a demeanor that's different from our culture. And so I was absorbing every one of, uh, one of them. And then 
this conference, and actually this conference was done in a missionary center. Mm -hmm. Then they had these people who are looking like me, speaking like with passion. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's what rocked me from the bottom of the hall where I was <laughs> and resonated with my heart. And yeah. yeah, yeah. The Lord knew what you needed. So that, that's he wonderful. Did. Yeah. He, did. he knew that the thorn would be on my leg for me to stay there that night to get mm-hmm. the whole thing that changed my <laughs> yeah, life. Up and yeah. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. You had a thorn in the leg, right? Oh, there you go. Yes. <laughs> Well, there is so much to your story, and we have so few minutes to tell it, but it is told in detail in your book, Abducted But Not Forsaken, and uh, I just hope that we can give our listeners a sense of how God has uh, protected you and used you in ministry, Okongo. So let's uh, let's start with why. Uh, what were the circumstances of you being taken by these terrorists? When did that happen? Well, even for me to go to northern Uganda was because of the story of this uh, Lord Resistant Army. They had a new, they had a name before that, uh, and so we had many people being abducted, child soldiers taken to the war, and um, so the Diguna team who are doing missionary work were talking about let's pray for northern Uganda that God would deliver the people who are suffering. But then they were saying that we need to take the gospel there, but no one wants to go because uh, it's dangerous. So me hearing that, I had compassion and say, no, I think we need to go no matter what it takes. And uh, at that time, God had already laid in my heart the vision at Okongo. I want to use you to the uttermost part of the world to bring healing and salvation and good news uh, to people. So my thought was, if I can go and meet these people, when they, even if they abduct me, I'll give them the good news that will change their heart and they stop what they're doing. I guess that would be naive. Mm. Sure enough, I went. And uh, then on, on the way, story short, I ex- expounded that in my book. Then our van, our big bus was uh, abducted and we, were, we found ourselves into the thick of the, the, the forest. And, um, and I did not even know the bearing of where I was. Oh. And it was ruthless, these people. And then, um, so uh, roughly about three weeks that I was there, it was really brutal emotionally, brutal mentally, brutal, spiritually, I was wrestling with God, brutally, physically, because we are physically abused, mm. and, um, and, and of course, sexually abused, as my book pointed that out. Mm. So that was a, a nightmare, but you know, I know many people are used to a nightmare. Mine was also a daymare, mm. you know, all those combined. And so that's the experience I had during the time I was abducted. Wow. What was the reason they took you in the first place? Well, the Lord resistant, I mean, they're just really bad terrorists. They just abduct people they can. And, uh, and so, uh, and then um, what they do is the people they abduct, they train them to take them to the front line to fight the army of Uganda and Sudan. Oh. Then another thing is also they use them to, uh, to serve the, uh, the, the, this rebel army uh-huh. by cooking for them when they are in the front line. And then another thing is also to... Uh, to serve their physical need, their their sexual need. Oh goodness! So they're just ruthless people. So uh, so those those were mainly our role. We were being trained on how to go fight in the front line. I never had a gun before at that time. I did not even know how to operate it. And so that was that was one thing they were doing. And then they were we were cooking for them. And some of, some of the languages they were speaking, I never understood well. Hmm. And then at any given time, day and night, we also would be. Uh, would be laid down and to meet their physical need, which was all brutal in all. There was nothing really good about it. Mm. So those were our roles. So, um, yeah. Wow. 
So they were hoping to convert you to their cause and use you in their war? Is that the... They, when you are abducted, you already con- converted. Uh-huh. Regardless, it's not like a no, converted. You are automatically part of them. That's why you are abducted to do whatever they do. Okay. There was no like a consent or an agreement. You are taken captive. You are abducted. You, you have no choice. Yeah. So that's basically what we do. Daytime, you know, midday, you know, you're kind of slammed down and you're mounted. You don't have to say no. You don't know as painful as it is. You know, that's, that's basically what it is. So we're just captive. You know, we were like slave, so to say, in all aspects. Well, you said it was uh, not only physical and mental abuse, but it was spiritual abuse as well. What what were your thoughts toward the Lord that allowed such a thing to happen to you? What what were you thinking at that time? First of all, you know, there were two two different spiritual things. These are Lord resistant. I mean, they use the scripture. Yet they are terrorists. It's just like in the Middle East, where you read my book, where I was abducted. There are some people when they try to kill people, they say, Allah Akbar, and the God be great. And so they're using the name of God. You know, that kind of make you question, what kind of God is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of get people to do stuff like that. And so the Lord resists an army, uh, just these biblical rebel people who are misguided. And so they're using that. So I was questioning, what kind of God is this? If it's the God who created us, something is just wrong. So that's number one. I struggle that spiritually. Then another thing is, if God is in control of everything, why does he allow these people to exist and continue to do what they are doing? Because I thought like God is so all-powerful. He knows things. He can do things. And I, I was like, you know, why don't you even make this dysfunction? Why don't you even, I even thought like God, why don't you make them die just at once? Why don't you open the floor, the earth to swallow them so they don't do this? And even when they were uh, raping me, I was like, God, you created um, this design, man. Why don't you make that not to function so I don't have to get the pain? Mm. So, so then those didn't have answers at that time. So spiritually, I started struggling. Is this God really real? You know, he should intervene because I'm suffering. You know, he, you know, this, you know, so that really made me doubt him and question. That's where the spiritual mm-hmm. aspect of it came about. Yeah. Well, all these years later and all the healing that's happened in your life, I mean, how do you answer those questions today to people who ask the same questions now? Okay, you know, uh, in the beginning, you know, of creation, you know, the thing, the evil things that we did uh, with Adam and Eve did really separated us in many ways with God. And when God contacted or found Adam when they were hiding, all he needed for them was to, to seek forgiveness and repent. And so um, my healing came, ar- came about when I had to come to reconciliation with myself that really God allowed those things to happen because he got me out of it. So that means he, mm. I didn't die. Yeah, you were delivered. You didn't die, right? Yeah. yeah. So then he must be existing. So I had to come to him and say, I repent. I've seen you uh, deliver me from that pain. Uh, but again, you know, there are some people who are still there. Help me in a way that I can go help them be redeemed. So that kind of made me to rectify that with God. But then over the years, as my book expound more, I had to also go and forgive forgive those people who hurt me. And then the forgiveness of the people who did wrong things to me, that ultimately got me to be even an evil person, even thinking evil and doing evil myself. That forgiveness brought healing emotionally, healing mentally, healing relationally, even to those people who hurt me. But not only just that, when I was wounded in Uganda, raped by men, I never trust any man. 
when I was walking and being around people, I thought they are going to just pin me and hurt me. So, but when I forgave and, and healed, I could see people as people. I didn't see them with the ill, evil motive. And then at the same time, um, I, I, I had to have this perspective view of seeing things in a pure way. And it helped my emotion, my mental, you know, my, my, all, um, my all relationship that I, I, I had. You know, of course, my story would expound more because when I returned from Uganda, I shared my, my, my disastrous trip to Uganda. It wasn't taken well by the church. So I was judged. No one wanted to shake my hand because I was dirty mm. uh, instead of being hugged. And, and so, you know, I was alone. So I ultimately developed bitterness toward the church and godly people. So I felt rejected alone. So the forgiveness of those really en- enabled me to, to heal and ultimately help others to also heal today. His is a powerful story, and we'll continue to hear it as we talk with Okonko Sampson on First Person. Hi, I'm Ed Cannon, the president of the Far East Broadcasting Company, and I'd like to invite you to join us on our podcast, Until All Have Heard, where Wayne Shepherd and I will take you on a virtual tour around Christian ministry in the most unreached places in the world to see what God is doing through the ministry of the Far East Broadcasting Company. So listen to the new weekly podcast until all have heard from FEBC. Listen at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast platforms, or go to febc.org. My guest is Okongo Sampson. His book is Abducted But Not Forsaken, How One Man's Escape from a Notorious Terrorist Brought Hope to Africa. And we'll talk about that, that hope that you bring to Africa now. But tell me, how long were you held and how were you delivered? What were the circumstances that you were set free? Did you escape? Yes, I, this is how my escape was miraculous. You know, first of all, you know, while in the northern Uganda, in the thick forest, we did not know where northwest is because it was a very dense, um, dense forest. And that's where we were under this canopy forest. So the bearing of the calendar was not there. You know, like we do have that today is Monday. I had no recollection of that. Uh, but when I escaped and came back, uh, the family members and the people who we were working with said I was gone for three and a half weeks. Mm. So that is the, uh, that's the, the news I have. But while we were there, the pain made it like, I felt like we were there like for 30 years. Oh, goodness. Because of the pain. Wow. So, so while we were there, in the abducted uh, in that initial time, we were as a teenager and a young person. Uh, so uh, I was... Um, I was basically seeing the situation in that camp as being dying because they were training us to go to the front line. The people who went to the front line never came back. Mm. All we knew is they were dead. They were shot and they died. So I knew that, oh, my death certificate is already signed. I'll go and die, never come back again. And so that's one. Then number two, whatever experience we were having in the camp, being uh, used as sexual uh, tools and, and being beaten and, uh, that also to me was dying because, you know, I was helpless in pain and I, I knew it just a matter of time before I die. Actually, I prayed that I should die mm. because it would make it feel better. So yeah. that's number number two. Number three, the people who tried to escape, they were shot by those guarding armies and they, they died. So, so I came to a point where I realized regardless of what I do, I'm going to die anyway. 
If I try to escape, I'll die. The front line, they'll take me, I'll die, I'll be shot. And uh, whatever they are doing, it's just a matter of one of these days, evening, uh, I'll, be, I'll be raped until I die. So you felt you were without hope of any kind. Yeah, there was no way. Then I said, let me die doing something. And so the only option was to try to escape one of those nights. And then the guards who are guarding the entrance, God, being God, made them sleep. And I walk and they never, they never, they never woke up. Is that so right? I walk all night. You know, um, I mean, so that's where now I say, God, you are God. You can make people sleep. <laughs> and then I escape. So you didn't want me to die. So that is where I started seeing God's miraculous. Hmm. Now, while we were in the camp, we were not allowed to have clothes. So, so I just escaped like that naked until I found myself in Gulu, uh, that town in northern Uganda. Hmm. That was my miraculous escape. Wow. Wow. What a story. And uh, again, you tell much more in the book about how the Lord really healed you spiritually as well. But in the few minutes we have left, can we talk about you being the founder and director of Unite for Africa? And we'll put information about this in our program notes at firstpersoninterview.com. But tell me about Unite for Africa. What do you do and how is it building the kingdom of God? Well, since I had God's vision at age 15 that I want to use you to the uttermost part of the world to bring healing and good news to people. And of course, it didn't start well after being abducted in northern Uganda. When I came back wounded, hurting, and in pain, God's voice still kept on ringing. And so, uh, and of course, with the setback with the church and the way I was judged and mistreated, bullied, you know, that also um, did not stop God's voice keep ringing day and night. And so I was really in pain and, and struggling. And so I kept on sharing my story because my stories are out. And I realized sharing the story of how God delivered me, started delivering people from their issues and, and the things they were going through. Then I started having hope that, wow, surely this is God's thing. This is his vision. And so that led me to uh, serve in so many countries, you know, even after finishing medical and then theological and, of course, you know, psychology and all that. So I traveled to so many countries. So far, I've gone to about 92 countries. Is doing that right? Thing. Wow. So uh, then I realized that even in my brokenness, in my pain, God wanted to use me. So I founded a, an organization called Kush for Christ, which is as Kushite for, uh, as it is in the Bible and uh, for Christ, which ultimately later changed on to Unite for Africa when I moved from Kenya to, uh, to Northern Ireland, Ireland, Great Britain. And then, uh, then twenty years, uh, I moved back to the, I moved to the U.S. to settle here, where I married. Now I'm married to my beautiful wife, yeah, who sits beside you right now, listening to every word you're saying. So with, yeah, a, with a smile so, on her face. <laughs> yeah, married with seven children. Four, four of them are adopted. Three are biological, and so, uh, so that's um, that's how I moved in here. So I founded the organization, which is to equip, mobilize individuals to transform themselves spiritually, emotionally, mentally physically and economically, bringing abundant life in Christ. So I came to realize I was poor in all those areas. I grew up in poverty um, with many family members. And then, of course, you know, with water pain in northern Uganda, I found myself poor emotionally, mm -hmm. mentally. I could not relate to people. I thought people were going to hurt me. Ultimately, I was poor in that area. And, of course, physically, people thought and I would die because I have uh, sexual diseases. And somehow... I thought, you know, I was going to get that. And I was being teased and bullied that I would be pregnant. So I thought like, wow, I'll be pregnant a man. A man oh. pregnant a man. So I felt like, wow, I was poor in my the way I see myself and the way I view my, my everything. And so then that lined up with the vision God gave me. 
So now we are traveling all over the world to bringing hope to people who are hopeless emotionally, mentally, relationally in their marriages, in their parental and economically empowering people, micro-enterprise, uh, to, to stand by being independent in any way. And of course, spiritual, to make people realize that they can be going through these challenges like I did, but that does not mean God does not see or, or God has forsaken them or abandoned them. So uh, we might be abandoned by people, family, rebel, uh, pain, ourselves, uh, our thought and our feeling, but God has not forsaken us. He has good plan for each one of that. So that's the real thing about the Ministry of Unite for Africa. Here across the U.S., in the Middle East, South America and Africa and all over the world. I'm so sorry you had to suffer what you suffered, but you see now maybe how God is using that suffering for his glory. There's no question about that. You see that, right? I see that very well. At that time when I was going through pain, I was not able to see that. I was throwing my own anger and tendrum and, and all that bitterness and and I was abducted by not only just the Lord resistant army, I was abducted by anger, unforgiveness, bitter, hatred, rage. Uh, and so I had to uh, use the medicine that God has, which is forgiveness, uh, to cure me and heal me in all those areas that we can now share with people, walk with people through that. And now that's what has brought joy to me, hmm. to joyfully serve people and joyfully tell the story without being embarrassed and ashamed because it was God's story. He allowed that. You know, sometimes we feel sorry, and I've come to realize I shouldn't feel sorry because what was meant for evil, he is using for good, yes. even today, in my life and in my marriage and in our parental, in our in our ministry, as we serve people gracefully in uh, in a way that go- give God glory. Yeah. I noted in your book that you quoted Psalm 115, verse 1, which is my favorite psalm, of course. Not unto us, O Lord, but not unto us, but unto thy name, Give glory. That's really the testimony of your life, isn't it? Amen. Glory to him, yes. It's about his story. Glory be to him. And his, his, uh, we want to make him be known that he is the deliverer. He restores. He doesn't forsake us. And uh, he is, is ultimately uh, sees everything we go through. Well, Kanko, how can we pray for you and your family and your ministry? Pray that I continue to be humble enough to uh, listen and follow God and uh, follow his word as he called me from the beginning. To not waver, to not have fear. The things I've gone through ultimately have brought fear in my life and my wife as well. So pray that we continue to have faith and give God glory in everything that comes from our mouth, our action, and our our working with people in diligent way, uh, gracefully pointing uh, the way to healing, the way to relief, the way to freedom and joy. And so pray for strength and pray for um, uh, God's provision to open more opportunity for uh, people who are helpless to come that we might uh, point them to God who ultimately will will reveal to them that he has not forsaken them. God has not forsaken them. There's even more to Okongo Samson's story than we had time to explore here on First Person, so I encourage you to visit firstpersoninterview.com, follow the links to Okongo and his book, Abducted But Not Forsaken, to learn more. That's firstpersoninterview.com. That same message of God's love and salvation is the theme of hundreds of radio and internet programs produced and transmitted by the Far East Broadcasting Company in 50 countries of the world. FEBC always produces programs in the local language or languages of the people in any country they serve. Take time to explore the video stories and even the podcast until all have heard when you visit febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to First Person.